Guidelines in Practice Processing Flexible Endoscopes by Jennifer Speth Abstract Flexible endoscopes allow surgeons and proceduralists to view patients' internal organs through small incisions or natural orifices. These devices may be difficult to clean and dry adequately, and the formation of biofilm can further complicate effective cleaning. The updated AORN, Guideline for Processing Flexible Endoscopes, provides perioperative personnel with evidence-based best practice recommendations on a variety of concepts associated with this topic. This article provides an overview of the guideline and discusses recommendations for point-of-use treatment, transport, cleaning, including verification and drying, and storage of flexible endoscopes. It also includes a scenario that illustrates the importance of adequately drying and storing flexible endoscopes. When processing flexible endoscopes, personnel should adhere to the endoscope and processing equipment manufacturer's instructions for use. Perioperative nurses should review the guideline in its entirety and implement recommendations in practice settings where flexible endoscopes are used. Flexible endoscopes are complex medical devices that surgeons and proceduralists insert into small incisions or natural body orifices to diagnose and treat medical conditions that affect a variety of body systems. For example, gastrointestinal, respiratory, genitourinary. The unique structure of flexible endoscopes allows surgeons to use minimally invasive techniques to view areas that are difficult to access. Many endoscopes have a complex network of internal channels that may allow for irrigating, suctioning, insufflating, and inserting instruments to perform a procedure. To maintain the endoscopes in an optimal and safe working condition, perioperative personnel should handle and care for flexible endoscopes according to the manufacturer's instructions for use, IFU. The updated AORN, Guideline for Processing Flexible Endoscopes, provides perioperative team members with evidence-based recommendations that address 1. Pre-purchase evaluation 2. Selection of a processing method 3. Sterile processing area 4. Personal protective equipment, PPE 5. Point-of-use treatment 6. Transport to decontamination area 7. Leak testing 8. Cleaning 9. Cleaning verification and inspection. 10. Sterilization. 11. High-level disinfection, HLD. 12. Drying. 13. Storage. 14. Transport to the point of use. 15. Water bottles. 16. Endoscope sheaths. 17. Prion disease transmission precautions. 18. Processing records. 19. Leadership. 20. Education. 21. Policies and procedures. 22. Quality. And 23. Microbiological surveillance. The AORN Guideline Development Team assessed the available evidence and included regulatory requirements when the governmental regulations supported the initiative and made recommendations when the benefits of the initiative clearly would exceed the harms. In general, high to moderate quality evidence supports recommendations. The project team also made conditional recommendations 
when the benefits of the initiative likely would exceed the harms. Any level of evidence supports conditional recommendations under certain conditions. The evidence table for the Flexible Endoscope Guideline can be found at https colon double slash aorn.org slash docs slash default hyphen source slash guidelines hyphen resources slash clinical hyphen research slash nursing hyphen research slash evidence hyphen rating hyphen and hyphen tables slash flexible hyphen endoscopes slash evidence hyphen table hyphen flex hyphen endo underscore SCPT 22.pdf. This article provides an overview of the recommendations associated with point of use treatment, transport, cleaning, including verification and drying, and storage of flexible endoscopes. It also includes a scenario to reflect the practical application of the discussed recommendations. Table 1 includes guideline recommendations that are not discussed in this article. Perioperative nurses should review the revised guideline in its entirety for information that may affect their practice. Point-of-use treatment Point-of-use treatment is an important first step in the cleaning process, and personnel should perform it immediately after using flexible endoscopes. This treatment helps to prevent endoscope damage and the formation of biofilm extracellular material and bacteria that adheres to surfaces tightly, that can dry inside channels. Personnel should implement manufacturer-specified delayed processing protocols for flexible endoscopes when they fail to perform point-of-use treatment or when there are processing delays. In 2017, a multidrug-resistant Pseudomonas aeruginosa outbreak at a large tertiary teaching hospital in London, England, included five confirmed cases of the infection that were linked to flexible endoscopes used during ureteroscopies. Four of the patients had similar susceptibility profiles and presented with urinary tract infections within seven days of their procedures. Facility personnel isolated the suspected ureteroscopes and sent them to the manufacturer for examination. The manufacturer's reports on the endoscopes showed that the two devices had partial depth cuts in their outer coverings, and one endoscope also had interior laser damage, resulting in a flap of material visible in the lumen. Facility leaders audited cleaning practices in the central decontamination and day surgery areas. They did not identify any deficiencies in the central area, but noted that personnel did not perform bedside, that is, point of use, cleaning, in the day surgery area, because they did not believe it was necessary. Further, although personnel in the day surgery area previously had used an automated endoscope washer decontaminator, it had been decommissioned and the cleaning had been moved to the central area. As a result, some endoscopes used in the day surgery area were not cleaned until the day after their use. The lack of point-of-use treatment may have contributed to the development of multidrug-resistant P. aeruginosa growth and hard-to-remove biofilms. Manufacturers determine the recommended point-of-use treatment and cleaning processes for the different types of flexible endoscopes. To prevent endoscope damage, personnel should adhere to the manufacturer's IFU when performing point-of-use treatment. They should don PPE before preparing a compatible cleaning solution 
applying it to a non-abrasive and non-linting cloth or sponge, and then wiping the insertion tube. See Figure 1. If the endoscope has a suction and biopsy channel, see Figure 2, they should place the endoscope's distal end in the compatible cleaning solution and suction the solution, followed by air, through the channel. For endoscopes with an elevator mechanism, personnel should raise and lower the forceps elevator when suctioning both the solution and air. When there is a balloon attachment, personnel should remove and discard the disposable balloon before flushing the channel. After flushing all channels, for example, biopsy and suction, air and water, and using a compatible cleaning adapter for the air and water channel, personnel should disconnect the endoscope from equipment, for example, light source, processor, water connection, suction pump, and remove any disposable accessories. To prevent damage to the electrical components, a fluid-resistant cap designed for the endoscope should be placed over the components. The endoscope should be inspected for integrity. If any damage is identified, personnel should follow their healthcare organization's policy for labeling and handling. Items used to complete the point-of-use treatment, for example, solution, cleaning cloth, should be discarded. Transport to the decontamination area. Immediately after completing point-of-use treatment, perioperative personnel should apply an enzymatic pretreatment product or wrap the endoscope and accessories in a towel moistened with water before transporting the device to the designated decontamination area. Keeping the endoscope damp should help prevent biofilm formation. However, personnel should avoid submerging the endoscope and accessories in liquid. In addition to possible endoscope damage, transporting endoscopes in liquids can lead to spillage from the container holding the device. To support the prevention of incidental exposure of personnel to contaminated devices, the AORN guideline includes a regulatory requirement for transporting contaminated medical devices, for example, endoscopes. Personnel must use a closed, leak-proof, and puncture-resistant container or a transport cart that is large enough to hold the endoscope and accessories and is labeled clearly with a fluorescent orange-red or orange biohazard label. AORN provides a conditional recommendation for placing flexible endoscopes and accessories without sharp edges in a properly labeled bag. For example, a fixed biohazard label or pre-printed bag on a cart for transport to the decontamination area. To prevent leakage and endoscope damage during transport, the flexible endoscope should be placed in a horizontal position rather than suspended. Perioperative personnel should participate in handover communication with decontamination area personnel after transporting flexible endoscopes and accessories. They should include the time that the point-of-use treatment occurred and describe any delays. This information should assist decontamination area personnel with determining how the endoscope and accessories should be reprocessed. During handover communication, perioperative personnel should provide patient identification according to facility policy, specify if any endoscope accessories are present, and advise if the endoscope was exposed to any of the following. Simethicone, an anti-foaming agent, radiographic media, lubricants, tissue adhesives, or increased blood loss. When relevant, they should also inform receiving personnel 
if there was a lack of proper bowel preparation, for example, emergency gastrointestinal procedure. Cleaning. Flexible endoscopes should be manually cleaned according to the manufacturer's IFU and as soon as possible after point-of-use treatment. If the endoscope manufacturer does not specify the time frame within which the device should be processed after point-of-use treatment, a diverse interdisciplinary team, for example, surgeons, proceduralists, nurses, sterile processing department, SPD, personnel, and infection preventionists, should establish a time frame because manual cleaning should occur promptly to help prevent drying and biofilm formation. Personnel should follow the delayed processing instructions when it is impossible to begin the cleaning process within the manufacturer's specified time frame. To detect deficiencies in a flexible endoscope's external surfaces that may permit fluids, for example, water, chemicals, organic material, into areas of the endoscope that are not designed for fluids, Personnel should perform manufacturer-recommended leak testing before beginning manual cleaning. They should then disconnect any removable accessories and verify that the protective fluid-resistant cap is secure before immersing the flexible endoscope and reusable accessories completely in fresh, compatible cleaning solution that meets the manufacturer's recommendations for water quality, temperature, and concentration. To prevent splashing and aerosolization of contaminants, personnel should clean the exterior surface of the submerged endoscope using a non-abrasive sponge, compatible brush, or non-linting cloth, and then clean the accessible channels, openings, and the distal end of the endoscope with cleaning brushes. Researchers sought to identify common reprocessing activities that cause splashes, determine the distance that droplets travel, and assess the effect of routine reprocessing activities on affected PPE. They affixed moisture detection paper to PPE and environmental surfaces, and then performed several cleaning tasks in the decontamination area, including brushing a lumen of a ureteroscope while it was both above water and immersed in water. Results of this pilot project showed that more droplets were generated when the ureteroscope was above water than when it was immersed. To facilitate cleaning of flexible endoscopes with elevator mechanisms, for example, duodenoscopes, linear echo endoscopes, personnel should raise and lower the mechanism. Personnel cleaning flexible endoscopes that have attachment grooves or elevator mechanisms should perform focused brushing to adequately remove soil from difficult-to-clean areas. When researchers obtained adenosine triphosphate, ATP, Samples from the distal end, elevator mechanism, and water that was flushed through the biopsy channel of flexible endoscopes. They discovered that the ATP failure rates were higher for the elevator mechanism and working channel lumen than the distal end of the endoscopes. There were 165 failures out of 1,404 ATP tests of the working channel, 11.75% failure rate. 92 failures out of 1,407 ATP tests of the elevator mechanism, 6.54% failure rate, and 38 failures out of 1,408 ATP tests of the distal end, 2.70% failure rate. P is less than 0.001. The researchers concluded that routine bioluminescence, that is, ATP, testing, 
may help personnel determine opportunities for improvement during the manual cleaning process of flexible endoscopes with an elevator mechanism. After using compatible cleaning adapters and flushing the channels of flexible endoscopes with cleaning solution, personnel should soak the endoscope for the recommended length of time. They should then rinse the endoscope, completely immerse it in a clean sink with fresh clean utility water, and flush all channels. AORN provides a conditional recommendation for using an automatic flushing system with cleaning solution for channels. Some endoscopes may require additional cleaning after exposure to simethicone, lubricants, tissue adhesives, radiographic media, large amounts of blood or bowel contents after poor gastrointestinal preparation. Although simethicone can enhance visibility during gastrointestinal procedures, it is hydrophobic and may contain sugars or thickeners that inhibit cleaning. In a study on the effects of intraprocedural simethicone use on retained residual fluid in working channels of gastroscopes and colonoscopes after HLD and drying, researchers compared the effects of different concentrations of simethicone, that is, 0.5%, 1%, 3%, versus water after performing endoscopies. They examined the working channels of the endoscopes with a borescope, that is, a visual inspection device inserted into a small opening or channel of the flexible endoscopes. After cleaning, and then tested the rinsates from the channels for ATP. After one cycle of HLD and drying, the use of 1% and 3% simethicone led to significantly more fluid droplets and higher ATP bioluminescence in the working channels when compared to water alone. 1. 1% simethicone versus water. P is less than 0.001. 2. 1% simethicone versus 0.5% simethicone. P is less than 0.01. 3. 3% simethicone versus water. P is less than 0.001. And 4. 3% simethicone versus 0.5% simethicone. P is less than 0.001. However, after one cycle of manual cleaning and two cycles of cleaning with the Automated Endoscope Reprocessor, AER, there were lower numbers of fluid droplets and lower ATP bioluminescence values from the use of 1% and 3% simethicone that were not significantly different from those of water or 5% simethicone. The researchers concluded that simethicone use should be avoided. However, when simethicone is required, Practitioners should use the lowest concentration and deliver it directly to the working channel rather than adding it to the water bottle. After manually cleaning flexible endoscopes, personnel should dry the exterior surface with a non-linting, non-abrasive cloth or sponge. They also should use pressure-regulated instrument air or filtered air from the automatic flushing system to purge all device channels because retained water may negatively affect subsequent HLD or sterilization processes. AORN provides a conditional recommendation for performing automated cleaning as a substitute for or a supplement to manual cleaning if supported by the manufacturer. The previously described interdisciplinary team should conduct a risk assessment to determine whether use of an AER can replace manual cleaning for some flexible endoscopes without elevator mechanisms. However, AORN recommends that manual cleaning of duodenoscopes not be replaced with automated cleaning processes.
cleaning verification and inspection. To detect any residual soil on or damage to flexible endoscopes and accessories, perioperative personnel should visually inspect the devices for cleanliness, functionality, and integrity before, during, and after use, after manual cleaning, and before performing HLD or sterilization processes. AORN recommends that personnel use a lighted magnifying device, see Figure 3, before HLD or sterilization to help identify residual soil on or damage to external surfaces of the flexible endoscopes or accessories that may appear clean without use of magnification. After participating in education and competency verification activities, personnel should use a clean borescope to inspect the inside surfaces of the flexible endoscope's channels. Such inspection should be performed before HLD or sterilization, quote, as a part of a comprehensive visual inspection and cleaning verification program, end quote. Researchers used a long borescope, that is, 214 centimeters, to identify the type, severity rate, and location of abnormal visual findings inside the channels of 19 patient-ready duodenoscopes and determine their microbiological significance. Approximately 75% of the studied duodenoscopes had visible buckling, stains, or debris, and more than half of the duodenoscopes had scratches present. Approximately one-third of the studied duodenoscopes had evidence of fluids present. Duodenoscopes older than one year were associated with a significantly higher number of abnormal findings than those one year old or less. 46 findings versus 26 findings, P is less than 0.001. There was a significant positive correlation, P is less than 0.05, between the presence of debris and fluids with microbial contamination. The researchers concluded that early detection of abnormal findings by using a long borescope may improve the quality of duodenoscope reprocessing and allow for early reporting to manufacturers. The facility's previously described interdisciplinary team should identify high-risk endoscopes, for example, duodenoscopes, bronchoscopes, ureteroscopes, and develop a process for performing cleaning verification testing after manual cleaning. Because contamination is not always visible, AORN provides a conditional recommendation for assessing cleanliness through the use of at least one of the following tests, protein, hemoglobin, carbohydrate, and ATP. Personnel should record all cleaning verification test results and re-clean any flexible endoscopes or accessories that fail the test or have soil present after visual inspection. Damaged flexible endoscopes, or those that fail multiple cleaning verification tests, should be removed from service. In addition, personnel should perform any additional modified cleaning and processing steps that the manufacturer recommends. Drying. Personnel should dry flexible endoscopes and accessories after manual cleaning and before performing HLD processes, according to the manufacturer's IFU. Moisture remaining on the exterior surface or in the working channels of the flexible endoscope may lead to microbial growth and biofilm formation during storage. During a prospective multi-site observational study, Researchers evaluated the effectiveness of drying and storage methods across a variety of flexible endoscopes 
to determine if there was an association between residual moisture and contamination. Personnel at all three study sites, that is, A, B, and C, used AERs. The reprocessing practices at Site B aligned with current recommendations, including an automated alcohol flush and air purge at the end of the AER cycle. There were a variety of discrepancies at Sites A and C that did not align with current recommendations. The AER's programmed cycles had been disabled to save time, and personnel did not perform appropriate hand hygiene or any cleaning verification tests. Personnel at Site A performed a manual alcohol flush and carried dripping wet endoscopes to the storage cabinet, which allowed fluid to drain onto the cabinet floor. They also stored some wet endoscopes in a small, unventilated metal cabinet and stored endoscopes horizontally when there was a lack of storage space. At Site C, the AER delivered the alcohol flush and air purge, but personnel reused towels to wipe external surfaces. They then wore dirty gloves and evacuated fluid from channels with an air pistol without a pressure regulator, which resulted in a visible spray from the end of the endoscope. Although personnel at this facility stored the endoscopes in a closed cabinet with ventilation grills, the cabinet fans were disabled, and blue lint was visible on the cabinet floor. The researchers detected fluid in 22, 49%, of 45 endoscopes after storage for 24 to 48 hours, but there were significantly more droplets, P is less than 0.001, and positive results for moisture-detecting test strips, P is less than 0.001, at sites A and C than at site B. In addition, higher levels of ATP and microbial growth were recorded at sites A and C than at site B. There were defects in all the studied endoscopes, that is, from all three sites. The researchers noted that the lack of compliance with existing guidelines at sites A and C contributed to contamination of flexible endoscopes. They also concluded that purging flexible endoscopes with pressure-regulated medical-grade forced air and storing the endoscopes in cabinets with high-efficiency particulate air, HEPA, circulation, quote, can significantly reduce moisture in endoscope lumens, end quote. AORN recommends that personnel, quote, perform drying even when using an AER with an air purge cycle or extended dry time feature, end quote. Personnel also should use, quote, pressure-regulated instrument air or HEPA-filtered air, end quote, for at least one minute unless otherwise directed by the manufacturer. Purging the channels with instrument air or HEPA-filtered air for 10 minutes facilitates drying and prevents contamination that might occur with lower-quality air. If there is visible moisture after 10 minutes, personnel should continue drying the endoscope until moisture is no longer visible. Personnel may use a drying storage cabinet to facilitate drying for the recommended amount of time. AORN provides a conditional recommendation that a risk assessment should be performed to determine if ethyl or isopropyl alcohol, that is, 70 to 90 percent, may be used to facilitate flexible endoscope channel drying. Additional research is still needed to confirm if the harms of this practice outweigh the benefits. Storage Flexible endoscopes should be stored. Quote, 
in cabinets that are situated in a secure location, in the clean workroom of the endoscopy processing room in a two-room design, or in a separate clean area close to but not within the endoscopy procedure room. End quote. Storing endoscopes in an area outside the procedure room helps to prevent unintentional cross-contamination from unprocessed endoscopes. Personnel should store flexible endoscopes requiring HLD according to the manufacturer's IFU. This can include using drying storage cabinets that direct air into the endoscope lumens through channel attachments or standard cabinets that are ventilated with HEPA-filtered forced air. However, personnel should not store flexible endoscopes in a standard storage cabinet that allows passive air to flow into the cabinet or cabinets without vents because these may retain moisture. The previously described interdisciplinary team should conduct a risk assessment to identify the maximum storage time for flexible endoscopes after HLD. Results of a systematic review showed that the average time for flexible endoscope storage ranged from 2 to 56 days. Microbial growth was seen in 2% of endoscopes that were stored for at least 3 days and in 4% of endoscopes that were stored for at least 7 days. The reviewers recommended that storage of reprocessed flexible endoscopes that is, gastroscopes, colonoscopes, and duodenoscopes, not exceed seven days. The interdisciplinary team should determine the maximum storage time. In addition, they should establish a process that allows personnel to easily recognize when an endoscope has exceeded its maximum storage time and reprocess it before use. Flexible endoscope storage cabinets should be cleaned with an Environmental Protection Agency registered disinfectant, regularly, and when soil is visible. Cleaning storage cabinets can help prevent the buildup of dust, debris, and microorganisms and prevent contamination of flexible endoscopes. Scenario Dallas, an RN circulator with 12 years of experience, recently accepted a position at a critical access hospital. Previously, Dallas had worked for two years in the endoscopy department of an academic medical center. He was excited to work at this new facility because of its small size and perioperative unit that included endoscopy. One morning, upon arriving at work and checking his assignment, Dallas sees that he will be working with Dr. B, a proceduralist, in the endoscopy suite. He begins to prepare for the first procedure, an upper gastrointestinal endoscopy, and acquires disposable accessories that include a bottle of sterile water, an endoscopy kit, and tubing. When Dallas goes to the endoscope storage cabinet to obtain a clean, flexible endoscope, he finds the cabinet's accordion door halfway open. After struggling to open the door the rest of the way, he notices an accumulation of lint and debris in the bottom corners of the cabinet. Although he knows that the cabinet needs to be cleaned, he cannot delay the procedure's start time to do so. Dallas decides to obtain an esophagogastroduodenoscope from another cabinet that is clean and has a closed door. While Dallas is connecting and testing the endoscope, he notices water squirting out of the distal end. This is not the first time that Dallas has seen this happen, and he immediately goes to obtain another clean, flexible endoscope. Dallas examines three additional clean endoscopes before finally finding one that is dry and ready for patient use. After finishing the endoscopy room preparation, 
Dallas goes to the preoperative area to meet, interview, and transport the patient, Mix J, to the procedure room. He introduces himself to them, verifies that the consent is signed, and required documentation, for example, laboratory reports, history, and physical, is present, and transports Mix J to the room. Dallas positions the patient according to Dr. B's requirements, administers sedation medications as directed, and participates in the timeout before Dr. B begins the procedure. Almost immediately, Dr. B asks Dallas to add simethicone to the irrigation bottle because she is having a difficult time viewing the internal structures. After he adds the simethicone to the irrigation bottle, the procedure proceeds smoothly with no additional issues. At the end of the procedure, Dallas transports Mix J to the post-anesthesia care unit before returning to the procedure room and assisting Oscar, the surgical technologist, with point-of-use treatment of the flexible endoscope. Dallas then accompanies Oscar with the endoscope to the decontamination area, and together they complete a handover report with a sterile processing technician. They mention that the point-of-use cleaning occurred at 8.26 a.m., that is, 15 minutes before transport. Because of Dallas's concerns regarding the storage cabinet's cleanliness and the residual water found in multiple flexible endoscopes, he schedules a meeting with Clarice, his supervisor. During the meeting, Dallas describes the difficulties that he experienced with the accordion doors on the storage cabinet, mentions the debris and lint, and asks questions about the cabinet's airflow. He reports on the state of the various flexible endoscopes that he obtained for the procedure before finding a dry endoscope, and suggests that the use of simethicone in the irrigation bottle may be affecting the cleaning process. He expresses concern regarding the adequacy of the existing endoscope cleaning processes. Clarice tells Dallas that she takes his concerns seriously, but notes that she needs additional information and evidence before considering any practice changes. During a follow-up meeting, Dallas shares the guideline recommendations from several national organizations as well as evidentiary support. After reviewing the guidelines, Clarice agrees to schedule an interdisciplinary team meeting to discuss interventions based on guidelines to improve practice. Clarice convenes a team comprising herself, Dallas, the perioperative director, the SPD manager, a proceduralist, an infection preventionist, and a risk manager. Dallas shares his experiences and the evidence that he has found. The interdisciplinary team members reach a consensus and decide to address issues associated with the 1. Storage cabinet, for example, doors, cleaning schedule, ventilation. 2. Flexible endoscope drawing. And 3. Simethicone use, including handover communication. The team consults with the facility department representatives to repair the storage cabinet and develops a cleaning schedule. In addition, the perioperative director includes a replacement storage cabinet in the capital budget for the next year. The proceduralists agree to avoid routinely requesting that personnel add simethicone to the irrigation bottle, and the surgical technologists agree to begin including information on simethicone in the handover report with sterile processing technicians. The SPD manager begins auditing the endoscopes after cleaning and disinfection. As a result of Dallas's obvious interest in expertise in endoscopy, Clarice continues to assign him to endoscopy procedures. 
Although Dallas occasionally notes moisture in the endoscopes, the frequency of such occurrences decreases substantially after the intervention. Conclusion Flexible endoscopes are complex medical devices that require special care and maintenance in accordance with the manufacturer's IFU. Point-of-use treatment is the initial step in the cleaning process and helps to prevent the formation of biofilm inside the endoscope. Immediately after point-of-use treatment, personnel should transport flexible endoscopes to the decontamination area for manual cleaning in a labeled, leak-proof container designated for endoscope transport. Processing personnel should consider performing additional cleaning measures when there is a delay in the point-of-use treatment or if the endoscope is exposed to semethicone, radiographic media, lubricants, or tissue adhesives. Flexible endoscopes should be inspected visually and can be tested for proteins, carbohydrates, ATP, or hemoglobin to assess cleaning efficacy. They should be dried with pressure-regulated HEPA-filtered air or instrument air for a minimum of 10 minutes before being placed in a drying storage cabinet.